fire. <laughs> That's right, because our guest this week, W. Trey Davis, Woo! has a lot to do with fire. One of the best elements, I must say. Oh, Without yeah. fire, oh, we, yeah. we need a lot of things for fire. Uh, heat, obviously, because it's fucking cold now. Uh, but we're super excited because fucking fire country is so damn good. Hottest show in the country right now uh, and and highest rated new drama on television so we're super excited to be able to talk to him for sure no it's gonna be so good man it's gonna be so good well that's later on the show though so now let's get a little crazy What's up, guys? Welcome back. Another episode of Inside the Crazy Woo! Ant Farm, episode one or two twelve, <laughs> I should say. Of course, your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouse. Boy, oh boy, it's going to be a lot of fun this week. But before we tease the rest of the show, be sure to leave us a rating on the podcast. Comment below and tell us what you actually think about this show. Leaving a rating actually helps the podcast get seen by more people who enjoy the entertainment industry, plus those who are trying to break in to Hollywood. That's what it's all about. That's why we started this podcast and it's become such an amazing thing for all you who are trying to break into it because that's what we are here for. We're here to have you have the knowledge when you're in the room where it happens. Yes. But man oh man we're going to be talking all about Wakanda Forever regaining that top spot at the box office and we'll also be talking about Yellowstone. A two hour premiere came out last week and man oh man sets up a lot of different stuff that we're super excited about (laughs) And a whole bunch of other stuff that's happening in the entertainment industry that we're pumped, man. You guys know we love this stuff, and we know you do too, so we're excited to get a little crazy. But before we get this thing started, be sure to head over to our website, www.crazyantmedia.com, where you can start rocking the latest and greatest Crazy Ant Media gear. We got shirts, we got hats, we got everything, man. You see us rocking the designs right here, right now. We have sales all the time, so that's why you need to follow us at Crazy Ant Media or at ItCaf Podcast, so you can know when those sales go live. That's what it's all about, man. It is the season of giving thanks and giving back and all of the good things. So be sure to grab yourself a Crazy Ant Media merchandise item. For sure. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. But man, oh man, let's get started with the juggernaut. Of course, Disney, we're just talking about it. Wakanda forever. Marvel dominating the box office once again with this debut earning $181 million over the weekend, providing a much-needed lift to cinemas that have been hurting for quite some time now. The sequel demolished the record for November opening in North America, soaring past the previous high-water mark of $158 million by... um, That was set by 2013's Hunger Games Catching Fire. Globally, the superhero adventure needed uh, netted a a spectacular 330 million, with 150 million of that figure coming from. 55 overseas market. Ooh. As it stands, Wakanda Forever has the second biggest domestic de- uh, debut debut of the year <laughs> behind the $187.4 million launch of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which also commands the third best pandemic era bow behind the, of course, Doctor Strange and the one and only 
Spider-Man No Way Home, which of course got about, you know, $260 million, that little number right there. But we're super excited. We're super happy for it. I'm uh, kind of surprised it didn't get closer to that $200 or $200 million mark. Um, but, you know, with, like we've been talking about off air, they didn't have a big name star in this thing starring in the movie. So it makes sense. It makes sense. But I mean, 181, that's nothing to, you know, bat your eyes at. Yeah, no, no, no. And Marvel continues its streak. 30 films, 30 openings at number one, 30 films that have never lost money. They've all made a profit. They've all opened at number one. I mean, it's an unheard of streak that I just can't even imagine. And with all those numbers, it should come as no surprise, Black Panther Wakanda Forever Totally going to steamroll the box office again this weekend, aiming to add another 64 to 70 million between yesterday's totals and tomorrow. Ticket sales anywhere in that range would represent a decline of roughly 60 to 65 percent from its 181 million dollar opening, and would be a promising result for Black Panther 2. Though most pandemic era releases, as you guys know, haven't been able to generate that kind of coinage in its first weekend, much less the second weekend. So by comparison, returns for 28. 18's original Black Panther, which opened to a blockbuster $202 million, declined only 44.7% in the second weekend, with an exceptional $111 million in the second weekend. But more recent MCU entries like Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, and Spider-Man No Way Home all fell with what Black Panther is expected to do, which 67% in their second weekend. So it's right on pace with all of them after COVID. You know, it's going to hold true. So it's it's making a boatload of money. Yeah, it's going to be the exactly. second highest film of the year behind Top Gun, I think, without doubt, by the time it's finished. So, Oh, completely agree. Completely agree. Marvel going down in history as the best franchise of all time, without a doubt. Oh, without a doubt. Pixar has released the first trailer of its upcoming 27th feature, Elemental, set to release next year. And in this one's directed by Peter Sohn who helmed Pixar's The Good Dinosaur. Um, and so Elemental is set in a world where four classic elements, fire, earth, water, and air, are alive and coexist. Yeah. Now, the two main characters go with the flow. Wade and Fiery Ember uh, are both young adults living in the city who meet each other and bump heads. In spite of their <laughs> fundamental differences, uh, however, the two develop a connection as they realize they have deeper similarities than what's on the outside. Elemental is set to release in theaters on June 16th of 2023. The film will keep Pixar in theaters following the release of uh, Lightyear earlier this year. Now, this one, I think it's less for kids and more for those coming-of-age adults, to be honest with you, who are out on their own for the first time and trying to figure out who they are and figuring out what they like and who they like. So I think this is going to be a really good film. I'm excited for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, and yeah, like you said, keeping it in theaters because there was some question after the subpar performance of Lightyear would they just start putting Pixar right on Disney Plus or not? But apparently, no, they're going to keep putting them in theaters. I saw the trailer. It's very cute. It's like Fire getting on a subway and kind of working her way through the subway. And then she's giving life to a bunch of things because Fire, you know. Obviously. And she runs into Wade and he kind of like drizzles on her hand and it steams or whatever. And they're like... Oh, so I mean, it's a cute little trailer. You That's know, it doesn't I'm give saying. away too much, but yeah. it's clearly going to be a really fun movie, I think, for preteens, teens, and young adults. I think you're right. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Speaking of another 
franchise, huge franchise, like we were just talking about Marvel, right? Well, this one's done pretty good too. Not 30 films, but nonetheless, uh, pretty successful. Empire Magazine has revealed two new covers that celebrate next June's Indiana Jones 5. And with that, we of course got a fresh look at Harrison Ford's return as the iconic adventure, as well as a first look at Mads Milkinson as the villain named Voller. Now we also finally have, because you guys have been asking, asking what's going to be, what's going to be about, who's bad guys, blah, blah, blah. Well, we've got some plot details. Now across four feature films, Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones has gone up against a variety of foes, including Soviet spies, the mad priest Mola Ram. However, as you guys know, most of Indy's frequent adversaries are the Nazis. Facts. So it's only fitting that in the final film of the series, once again, it will feature Nazis as the villains of Indiana Jones 5. Of course. But this time, get this guys, the setting is in 1969 mm. against the backdrop of the space race. So the film's co-writer, Jeff Butterworth, confirmed that Mads Milkison's character, Voller, is indeed inspired by Werner von Braun, a man who was a Nazi before he became a NASA, a NASA engineer. But Voller appears to be fully committed to his lost cause decades after World War II. Additionally, Boyd Holbrook uh, will be portraying Clobber, Voller's right-hand henchman. We know now that Phoebe Waller-Bridge will be playing Indy's goddaughter, mm. Helena. Um, but for now, the roles of Thomas Kretschmann, Shanette Renee Wilson, Antonio Banderas, Toby Jonas, and Oliver Richards still remain unrevealed. We have no idea who those guys are playing yet. Indiana Jones 5, set to hit theaters June 30th of next year guys i'm super pumped about this one i know you are i know you are i am not I, you know i you guys know i don't care for indiana jones so uh, it's, it is what you it should is be excited about it just because it's mangold directing yeah, it. yeah james know. has never yeah. had a bad film ever it's he's true just like it's he's, true. he's the guy man he is the guy i mean to be fair i watched the first two indiana joneses and then i watched the fucking the crystal skull or whatever that shit was and that was just awful so yes so there's my reasoning <laughs> right there but yeah Happy for the old timers. Yay. Um, <laughs> Disney is returning to the world of the Princess Diaries. Adichika Jakari is pinning the script for the new installment for Disney, which sources uh, say is in continuation of the Anne Hathaway-led series of films rather than a reboot. Hathaway does not have a deal to return yet, though, according to sources, but she has uh, publicly publicly stated her support for the third installment with her on-screen uh, grandmother, Julie Andrews, the mm -hmm. one and only, um, who played the Polish queen Clarice Rendinaldi, um, and the hope that both will return should the potential new film move forward beyond the script stage. But I know this is a huge cult following, especially in that adolescent female form, so I feel like, you know... They should sign back on. It'd be good. I mean, it was both really good for them, and so I, I think it, it's going to happen. I mean, they they, they've both said numerous times they want to, so I think it's, it's just going to come down to money Thanks. and signing the contract. I Agreed. mean, that, that, that's going to happen. This one here shouldn't happen. Yeah. Is this Cameron just kind of still pushing along his old stuff? Like, come on, Disney. I know you bought 20th, but you don't have to put out all of fucking Cameron's old shit. Kaylee Spanny, whose credits include HBO Max's drama Mayor of Easttown and Pacific Rim Uprising, is apparently in talks to star in the next alien movie at 20th Century Studios. Yeah, of course. Director Fidi Alvarez, best known for Don't Breathe in 2013's Evil Dead remake, also wrote the screenplay, which reboots 
reboots the science fiction horror <laughs> franchise. It's the seventh Alien movie following 2017's Alien Covenant. Now, although the cast hasn't been finalized, the studio hopes it will be able to get the cameras rolling by early next year. Mm. Why? We don't need a continuation of the franchise, and we sure as fuck don't need a reboot of the franchise. It's over. Move on. Yeah, like, it sounds like to me, don't get me wrong, I don't mind James Cameron. I don't mind the Avatar films. I know you have different opinions about those two things, um, but but I feel like this man has not come up with a new story and probably the last time the Avatar came out. So yeah, let's yeah. be honest about it. Bro, let's be creative. Let's not go back. Let's well, be creative. I, listen, I loved the first Avatar film. And, I, and I'm and i a huge fan of Terminator and all that kind of stuff. But I just don't think, like you said, he hasn't had anything original. The last few Terminator films have just done horribly, right? Uh, listen, we were at the theater watching Black Panther, and they showed the new Avatar trailer, and the audience was not excited at all. They weren't talking. They weren't, whoa, oh my gosh, can't wait to see it. Nothing. Yeah. You know why? Because fucking Black Panther with Underwater with Namor and everything, and Aquaman most recently, and stuff, it's been done. And, and I didn't really see any groundbreaking visual effects for that film. That's why I think the first Avatar did so well. It was like something nobody'd ever seen before. Yeah. But now everybody's fucking doing it. And if they if you're just going to keep running with old ideas and keep trying to reboot it, like I just think this is a bad idea with aliens. I'm sorry. It just Yeah. It's going to be sense. very interesting, especially like it's kind of, right now anyway because Pro Top Gun proved me wrong, but right now it's got me in that same sense of how is this going to reach a younger audience? You right, know, because right. I mean, let's be honest about it. That's your demographic that you're trying to cater to. So how is this going to reach a younger Teller. audience? Yeah, <laughs> right. Miles Teller back here for aliens. Like, Are you going to get him to star in it? Because that's the only way it's going to work. I literally. Think. But man, oh man, I'm excited for this next one. Because in the lead up to the upcoming Andor finale on Disney Plus, the Walt Disney Company will air the first two episodes of the series across networks, including ABC, Ooh. FX, and Freeform. Now, it also makes it available to view on the sister streamer, Hulu. Now, Andor episodes Casa uh, and That Would Be Me uh, will be made available following the schedule across the Thanksgiving holiday. The With Hulu offering an extended streaming window, ABC Wednesday, November 23rd at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, FX. Now, this Thursday, or Thursday, November 24th, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Freeform. Friday, uh, November 25th, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And Hulu, it's going to be available on uh, from November 23rd through December 7th. Now, the two-episode finale of the Disney Plus Star Wars series, which Diego Luna as Cassian Andor premieres on February, uh, no, art February, November <laughs> uh, 20, art, November 23rd, and there that is a go. Wednesday, yes. so there, be sure to check it out. Uh, this is definitely one that I started, and man, oh man, we've just got so much stuff going on that I just kind of dropped off, so I'm just going to binge watch it all when it all comes out. I feel like that's a good way to do it. Yeah, for sure. I'm so. in the same boat. I'm, I, I plan on watching it because I enjoy it, and it's really good, just haven't, for whatever reason, been able to catch on to it. So Did like, you get just past the first episode? Two. two. I got two, yeah. The, I think episode three or four, there's like a heist scene. It's super good yeah, I, yeah. I mean it's definitely like 
the slow progression peak, slow progression peak, but overall, it's really good writing, and it's just a great Star oh, Wars yeah. story. And we'll catch on to it. I mean, just like, you know, it's going to happen. I'll finish it up. <laughs> uh, this one I'm kind of disappointed about because I was really excited about this. I, I'm uh, definitely a fan of David E. Kelly. I'm a huge fan of Michael Connelly and all of his books, and I'm a huge fan of obviously, of um, <laughs> the star of this movie, which I'm really disappointed, Nev Campbell. Um, apparently, ABC has reversed course on the upcoming drama series Avalon, opting mm. not to move forward with the show, despite giving it a straight-to-series order in February. Avalon hailed from, like I said, David E. Kelly and executive producer Michael Connolly, with the show based on a short story that Connolly had actually wrote. Nev Campbell was set to star in the lead role. Other cast members included Demetrius Gross, Alexa Masor, Stephen Pascal, which I was also super excited about coming back, Rosalind Ruff. According to an individual with knowledge of the situation, ABC opted not to move forward with the series order for Avalon after screening the pilot. Mm. I don't know what that meant. Was it not good? Was it not? I don't know. A&E Studios, though, the studio behind it, is said to still be bullish about the project and are weighing options on how to proceed. Translation, they're going to shop it around to another right. streamer. But are you, I, we'll see. Yeah. I'm kind of disappointed, though. You would think David E. Kelly, Michael Connelly, and Nev Campbell would be a sure win, but I guess not. Yeah, that's very interesting. Nothing is a sure win nowadays. No, so let's no. be honest about it. Well, the Percy Jackson and Olympian series at Disney Plus has added Jay Duplass and uh, Timothy Olmsten uh, in the guest starring roles. Now, Duplass will play Hades, uh, the god of the underworld. That's going to be an awesome role for him. Oh, yeah. Uh, per the official character description, Hades feels like an outcast from his family and misunderstood genius that he thinks he is. Uh, he holds a grudge for past wrongs and plays his cards close to the chest. Now, Omunson uh, will play uh, ooh, what, mm. <laughs> Hephaestus, Hephaestus uh, the god of blacksmiths. Now, Hephaestus became disabled <laughs> when he has thrown he was thrown off Mount Olympus as a baby. Despite that, his strength is definitely legendary, and his capti- uh, capacity for kindness and mercy sets him apart from his brothers and sisters in the doggy dog world of the gods. Yes. So now, that- I'm, oh, sorry, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm excited for it because, I mean, I I didn't jump on the film bandwagon like when those came out, but this one like keeps adding more and more things that I feel like will get more people excited. Oh, for sure. And I, I'm excited about Omenson because, as you guys know, uh, not not unfamiliar with the area of the gods and everything, obviously playing, uh, I think it was Kane on Supernatural, but in real life, if you guys remember, had a stroke and has mm. worked his way back. Remember, he was briefly on This Is Us, and he's been slowly making his way back, so the idea of hiring him as the disabled god that was thrown from Mount Olympus, perfect casting. Yeah, I think that's it's awesome. going to be fucking awesome. All right, guys. If As if you needed any more proof that Dancing with the Stars is fucking dead in the water and probably not coming back pretty soon, <laughs> here's more proof. Len Goodman, the head judge on Dancing with the Stars, will be exiting after this season. He has been on the ABC turned Disney Plus show since season one, of course. Um, he cited he wanted to spend more time with his grandchildren and family back in Britain as his reason for leaving. Makes total sense. Season 31 finale of Dancing with the Stars airs on Disney Plus on November 21st, so like right around the corner. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say series finale. Yeah. I, I just think it's done. Nobody's been talking about it. No. Nobody's no. been talking about it. So I would definitely would not be surprised, man. I mean, 
is what it is. <laughs> Alfonso can't save anything or yeah, everything, no. so it no, is what it is. No. Well, heading over to Warner Brothers Discovery, the Warner Brothers dropped a trailer for Magic Mike's Last Dance this week. <laughs> Finding himself broke and bartending in Florida, Lane hooks up with a wealthy uh, socialite played by Salma Hayek, uh, Tinwalt, uh, who lures him to London with an offer he can't refuse and an agenda <laughs> of all her own. People are numb and disconnected. We're going to wake them up with a wave of passion like they've never felt before, Hayek uh, says at one point in the trailer to describe a dance show spectacular that Magic Mike will headline. Now Lane has to then whip a new dance troupe into shape to succeed or fail with the latest business venture. Now the... Uh, Third installment sees uh, Tatum return to his signature role as a male stripper character loosely modeled on his own experiences as a stripper in Florida. Now, Hayek takes over the role as previously played by uh, The Wade Newton. Uh, Magic Mike Last Dance will premiere in theaters February 10th of 2023. Yeah, this is a huge franchise. People love this, and I'm, I'm glad they're doing one more to kind of close it out. I think that I think that's a good idea. Yeah. And how many people knew? I don't know if a lot of people knew that, that Channing Tatum was a stripper, that he did do that for a while back in Florida in the day. So um, there you go. I could see it. Yeah. I could see it. Yeah. So unfortunately, guys, I think most of it took place prior to the age of cell phone cameras. (laughs) Don't go searching. It's probably not anywhere. Exactly. Uh, I'm super excited about this one just because I loved the original film. I still love the original film. I love the fucking car in the original. It's my dream car, as you guys know, on our uh, top five lists. Bradley Cooper is set to star in Steven Spielberg's upcoming film, an original feature based on the character of Frank Bullitt, the no-nonsense San Francisco cop played by Steve McQueen in the 1968 action thriller. Bullet. Josh Singer is writing the screenplay for the film, which is currently in development at Warner Brothers. Now, though plot details haven't been revealed, the forthcoming production is expected to follow Bullet on an entirely different exploit than the McQueen original. So he is playing him. It's a, a sequel, of course, but not a reboot. So it's just going to be following the character in a different adventure. So interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a. It made it's Steve McQueen. It's what the movie that made him like a massive superstar. Yeah. I mean, uh, and the car, the bullet Mustang is like, it, it sold the shit out of the car <laughs> when that thing came out. So I, I'm excited for this one. Bradley Cooper, I mean, he's just rocking and rolling. He's killing it. And anytime he's like with Steven Spielberg, can you possibly go wrong with that? No. Exactly. You can't. You can't. Well, HBO's White Lotus has been renewed for a third season, of course. The news of the renewal comes after creator Mike White's hit anthology series has aired just three of its seven episodes of its seventh se- or second season. Like the seasons before, the third season will follow a new group of guests with an entirely different uh, White Lotus a resort. Mm-hmm. The first season was set in Hawaii, while the second was set in Sicily. So who knows? It's going to be very interesting to see where the third season is going to be set. Right. But I mean, makes sense. A lot of people love this one, and I mean, it got nominated for everything at the Emmy. So it did. There it goes. All right, jumping over to Paramount. As you guys know, Walter Hamada's tumultuous uh, reign as the head of DC Films at Warner Brothers 
ended abruptly uh, a little while ago. Well, don't worry. Walter's got a new job. The former president of DC Films has apparently signed an exclusive multi-year production deal with Paramount Pictures. Now, under the agreement, which begins January 1st of next year, Hamada will spearhead the studio's mainstream horror movies with the goal of releasing seven low to mid-budget films per year across theatrical and streaming. Now, the studio recently scored at the box office with Smile, a low-budget thriller that's generated a killer $209 million to date. Now, for Hamada, who previously worked at New Line Cinema as an executive vice president of production, taking the horror mantle at Paramount represents a return to his roots of sorts. At New Line, he launched the commercially successful The Conjuring Universe and shepherded in the adaptation of Stephen King's iconic novel It, which became the highest-grossing horror movie ever with $704 million globally. The deal comes about a month after he left Warner Brothers, where, of course, I just said he oversaw DC and its superhero blockbusters like Joker, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman. During his four-year tenure, he also worked on The Batman, as well as upcoming installments like Shazam! Fury of the Gods and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. So... I mean, this is good, though. He's had, he launched a few successful horror franchises, so I, no doubt he knows what he's doing there as well. I think this is a good move. I think that was a talented guy who got the raw deal and was basically the, the, the target of they just placed the blame on DC's failures on him. Uh, wrongfully so I think and so I'm glad to see he's got a new job and hopefully succeeds at it I mean yeah because I mean those film that you those films that you just mentioned from DC are also like really good DC films yeah they're most successful exactly so that's nothing to bat your eyes at so it's just something like I felt like there was too many hands in the pot yeah so I mean it makes sense it makes sense so hopefully on to bigger and better things but speaking of smile the hit film for uh, Paramount. It's dropping on Paramount Plus this week. In order to stream the new movie, you'll have to sign up for Paramount Plus, (laughs) of course, with plans starting at $4.99 a month. The film will also be released on uh, 4K Blu-ray, Blu-ray and uh, DVD on December 13th. The film was a huge uh, hit for the studio, surpassing $200 million at the global box office after just six weeks. A highly impressive number considering it only took it like around $17 million to make in general. So, I mean, that thing is seeing a nice little profit. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm excited for you to watch it too now that it's finally on there because I, I really enjoyed it. We've been talking about all the time how horror movies really haven't been existent recently, but this one was a good one. Well, good. I'm going to check it out for sure. This one, I don't know. I thought this was Book Club Part 2. Yeah. (laughs) I really did, but it's not. It's not. It's basically like that, though. Okay, you've heard us talk about this, and I don't know if I want to see it or not, but Paramount has released the first official trailer for the upcoming sports comedy, 80 for Brady, where former New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady meets some lifelong fans played by Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin, Rita Moreno, and Sally Field. Now, it is, of course, based on a true story. The film follows four girlfriends in their 80s who travel to 2017 Super Bowl to see Brady on the field. The ensemble comedy is directed by Kyle Marvin and also stars Billy Porter, Guy Fieri, yes, that Guy Fieri, Bob Balaban, Glenn Turman, Ron Funches, Jimmy O. Yang, and Harry Hamlin. Now, Brady plays himself at the Super Bowl, where he was named MVP after leading his team to the largest comeback victory in Super Bowl history. Brady produces 80 for Brady through his content company, 199 Productions. Of course. And the film is scheduled to hit theaters February 3rd, 2023. I watched the trailer. 
It is very reminiscent of a book club. Type That's thing. why I thought it was. They're yeah. very funny. The ladies are funny. They talk about how they have Gronk erotica, <laughs> like the one wrote it. And I mean, you know, it's funny. It's 80, 80-year-old women that are horny for Brady and Gronk, and they go and they try to sneak in. They don't have tickets. You find out in the trailer. They don't actually have tickets yeah. to get in, so they've got to try to sneak in. It's a funny trailer. I'm just not sure it's going to be a full-on movie where I would just sit through the whole thing. I don't yeah, know. I, I, just, I know. I don't know. It's really Grace and Frankie meets book club like that's <laughs> literally what it is so i mean take that with what you will yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be very interesting well following his star making role in as eddie munson in stranger things chrissy wake up that was all over tiktok for like three months <laughs> yes. uh, joseph quinn has found his next big gig as he begins no- negotiations for a leading role opposite of napuya nagons in an uh, Paramount's A Quiet Place Day One. They're racking up an A-list cast yeah, for they this are. thing. As we've told you before in the past, not much more is known about this project other than it's a, a triple threat as a trequel, as they like to say, rather than a spinoff, based on the idea from John Krasinski, who directed and starred in the first two films. The hope is that this film will help set up a potential Quiet Place universe that the studio can build on for years to come. Um... Now, the film is set to bow on March 8th of 2024. But hey, guys, you have another awesome franchise that you could build off uh, Star Trek. But, you know, you're just yeah. not, you're not doing that. Yeah. But like, where is that, man? I don't know. We'll what's happening? <laughs> I like the idea, though, to not make it a continuation, to actually make it a spinoff and explore more of the world oh, outside yeah. of it. So, it's like Walking Dead shit. Yeah. Like, we'll see how it works. I don't know. But uh, if Krasinski's involved, then I think it'll be OK. Yeah, it'll be good. Speaking of something that's OK, <laughs> it's more than OK. It's freaking phenomenal. Phenomenal, and people just keep flying to it like just crazy. I'm, of course, talking about Yellowstone. The season five premiere on Sunday night saw substantial gains in viewership over the show's fourth season premiere, averaging nearly 16 million viewers, according to results from Nielsen. Now, the fifth season opener aired across Paramount Network, CMT, TV Land, and Pop, with the same networks having aired the previous premiere as well. Now, on Paramount Network alone, the show drew 8.8 million viewers compared to just 8 million viewers for season four's premiere, or a 10% increase. Across all four networks, it averaged 15.7 million, up 6% versus the season four premiere of 14.7 million viewers. Its performance on Paramount Network also earned the distinction of being the most watched show across all of television so far this year and the most watched cable premiere since 2017's The Walking Dead. Damn. So, I mean, huge numbers. People fucking love the show. I can't, I fucking love the show. It's so (laughs) good. It's so good. If you guys, trust me, if you haven't watched it at all yet, once you watch the very first episode, you'll be hooked. You you won't be able to stop. You'll binge watch all that shit to get to the current season. It's that fucking good. And make sure you watch 1883 to lead up to how it got there. And there's another one coming. There is. Paramount Plus also shared his first look of the other one, which is 1923, the upcoming Yellowstone limited series spinoff starring Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren as the Dalton family leaders, Jacob and Kara. Now, violence has uh, always haunted this family. It follows us here. And when it doesn't follow, we hunt it down (laughs) and we seek it. 
Now, the narrator says in the trailer, the new series uh, is set up to run for two seasons uh, consisting of eight episodes each. Uh, 1923 explores the West of the early 20th century when pandemics, historic droughts, prohibition, and the Great Depression all plagued the mm. frontier of the Dutton's call home, which is Montana. 1923 uh, is the second prequel series for Taylor Sheridan's hit series Yellowstone following 1883, like we just talked to you about, which also starred Sam Elliott and Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. Man, oh man, that one is so good. Oh, Be yeah. sure to check it out. A-list cast. That one aired last winter, but you can check it out right now on Paramount+. Plus. For sure. And before we leave Taylor World there at, at Paramount, I just saw briefly that uh, Sylvester Stallone was talking about how much harder television is than he expected mm. he said it uh, uh i'll never complain on a film set again because it's like a vacation compared to doing a yeah. tv show yeah. and he's not sure he wants to do another season Ooh. he said can they film it at my home in palm beach and he's not guys apparently he's not joking yeah. he wants he wants to maybe have it to where his family can come out and be with him during the stretch of filming and everything yeah. apparently it's a bit more complicated and detailed than he was hoping for yeah. so we don't know we're only one episode in Will we get a second episode of Tulsa King? Maybe. That's I don't know. Wild. I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought it's hysterical. This guy, this macho, huge guy, does all these Rocky and Rambo films. TV's a little tough, guys. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> all right. Jumping over to NBC Universal. As you guys know, DJ Nash, A Million Little Things, huge hit over there on ABC. Well, it's ending, guys. As you know, I'm sure all you fans know. Well, don't worry. NBC is developing a new family drama from a million little things creator himself, DJ Nash, and Dana Honor, who was the executive producer on the first four seasons. Uh, the pair have sold life changing with a penalty to the network uh we love those as their abc series is coming to an end after its fifth season like i said universal television a division of universal studio group is the studio behind it the series follows a couple of 25 years as they share moments in life both good and bad that change them forever sometimes in life the toughest challenges make way for the greater things that you couldn't have possibly imagined so that it sounds very much like a this is us type thing where they're going to follow a couple of over a 25-year span. I don't yeah. know if we'll see back and forths or not. I don't know. You would have to if you're going back and forth. You would think years. so, right? But oh. We'll see, man. We'll see. Well, the upcoming Peacock comedy, uh, comedic thriller, I should say, series based on a true story has added five new cast members. Natalia, Natalia Dyer from Stranger Things, uh, Alex Amor from Industry, uh, Aisha Olfa from Good Trouble and Degrassi, The Next Generation, Annabelle Dexter Jones from Succession, yes. and Lee Jun Lee from Babylon and Devils have all joined the series. Uh, they will star alongside previously announced cast members uh, Kaylee Cuoco and Chris Messina, as well as Tom Bateman, Liana Libretto, and Priscilla Quinita. Uh, based on a true story, was given a straight-to-series order back in April. April, yeah. it is one of the latest additions to a growing roster of true crime projects at Peacock, which includes Dr. Death as well as uh, Joe vs. Carol, and recently launched a friend of the family. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. They got fucking Dateline, so they're like, people love murder. Yeah, no, so. they found their little niche and they're running with it. Hey, guess what? Bel Air is back and Will has some decisions to make. <laughs> 
Did you guys check this one out? In the teaser for season two, which was released this week, Banks narrates the 45-second clip, explaining that life is a series of choices. Set your own rules or disturb the system. We all got choices to make, but this time no one chooses for me. Now, Bel Air season two premieres on Peacock February 23rd with three episodes. Then it'll be followed by a new episode streaming every Thursday. So. Well, I'm honestly, we heard anything from that because I was kind of worried it was going to be canceled. Yeah, like, I mean, this is uh, the first we've heard about it. Yeah, it came flying out of the gate, was huge, got all the press. Everybody was super excited for it. And then it just kind of ran the season and died. Like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I am glad it's coming back, though. Me so, too. It was great. Yeah. It was really good. Maeve Quarter Lily and Emilia Hartford Pepe Brasolo as Sang Hong Lee have all joined the cast of the upcoming Grand Dream Show film uh, based on the best-selling racing video game series of the same name. From Sony Pictures and PlayStation Productions, the actors join an ensemble cast including Archie McCahall, uh, David Harborough, Orlando Bloom, Dej- uh Damon uh, Hoshu, Guri Howell Horner, and Daniel Pugh. Man, oh man. As previously <laughs> announced, based on the true story of Jan uh, Mardenborough, this story is just fake. All these people are fake. There's no way. This, uh, the film is described as an ultimate wish of fulfillment tale of a teenage Grand Turismo player whose gaming skills won him a series of Nissan competitions to become an actual professional race car driver. Okay. Now, Sony's Pictures uh, will release this in theaters on August 11th of 2023. Those video game adaptations, man, are no joke. Studios are getting behind them. You know, the the racing car movies, though, have been hit or miss. So I feel like this is a risky one. I know, okay, it's a video game property, but things about racing... Some have done okay, and some have just completely tanked. So this is a risk for Sony. Facts. But I guess they're used to that by now. (laughs) Facts. Uh, Jumping over to Lionsgate. Guess what, guys? The story we've been talking about forever about will they or won't they sell off stars? Apparently they are. Lionsgate this week has started the formalities around spinning off its studio from stars and anticipates filing the deal with the SEC in March, completing the separation of the businesses by the end of the fiscal second quarter next September. Now, the news officially resets the timeline for a deal Wall Street's been anticipating for the better part of a year. The transaction is meant to unlock value for the stock. Now, star CEO Jeff Hurst said the standalone stars media group would have its own currency, meaning shares that it could use to get bigger or become part of something bigger. And he seemed to have little doubt that one of those two things would happen. Now, post-spinoff, Lionsgate will be one of the only pure play publicly traded content companies, meaning not owned by a conglomerate. The deal frenzy has slowed a bit with volatile stock market and uncertain economy, obviously, but the streaming wars are still on and the need for content obviously as great as ever. The stock, by the way, after all this news, it's been lingering around its 52-week low, closing at 3% at $7.78 this past week. So, I mean, you know what would make sense if freaking Paramount just bought them and combined stars and Showtime. People get those so mixed up 
all the time anyway. So, and I mean, they produce literally the same content. Well, so. and I think that's what he was talking about. Like uh, either build bigger or become a part of something bigger. Yeah. He clearly thinks his library can be merged with somebody else's. I, I, I like that idea, but, but I saw Paramount's kind of getting ready to shelter some, un, uh, you know, lay some people off and said they're struggling too. So as far as money goes, so I don't yeah. know if they can buy them. It's so crazy, I mean- <laughs> man. It's absolutely wild. Well, Lionsgate has acquired the feature adaptation of the hit Sega video game Streets of Rage uh, which the John Wick franchise creator and scribe Derek Kostan is writing. Streets of Rage was one of the most popular video game franchises back in the 90s with Sega publishing three games between 91 to 94. Now in 2000 the long-awaited fourth game in the series was released to rave reviews and became the best seller. Now Brady Fuchigua and John Humphrey are a uh, Shuttering the project for Lionsgate. Mm. So we'll see how that goes. Again, right. another video game. All right. Amazon, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Sony is trying to now dump their failures off on somebody else. This is what this story is about, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Amazon is officially moving forward with multiple, multiple live action shows based on the Marvel characters controlled by Sony, meaning everybody but Spider-Man. The first series under the deal will be Silk, Spider of Society, uh, which was developed by the Walking Dead showrunner Angela Kang, along with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse producers Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Now, Silk, Spider Society will debut domestically on MGM+, Plus, which used to be Epic Skies, if you don't familiar. Uh, that's their linear channel, followed by a global launch on Prime Video. The show is based on characters created by Dan Slott and Humberto Ramos, for Marvel Comics. It follows Cindy Moon, described as a Korean-American woman bitten by the same spider that bit Peter Parker. As she escapes imprisonment and searches for her missing family on her way to becoming the superhero known as Silk. It is unknown at this time which other Marvel characters will be featured in the Amazon shows, though Sony currently controls over 900 such characters associated with the Spider-Man franchise. None of them have worked. None of them. You need Marvel to make them work. Literally. Nobody's going to watch this shit. Literally. I'm sorry. I like Silk. Uh, she's a great character in the comic books. But as they've proven time and time again with Morbius and like all these other spinoffs they're trying to do from the Spider-Man uh, universe, nobody gives a shit. Unless Tom Holland and Marvel are there, nobody gives a shit. It's the only reason Venom is successful. They know Spidey's coming. Exactly. Exactly. Like, Honestly, maybe Sony should buy stars. Like, that would make sense. They don't have a fucking streamer, and they keep giving their shit to everybody yeah, else. Yeah, and then just give Spidey back to Marvel. Yeah, just, it's fine. You know, it's fine. You know. make a shit ton of money. It's all good. <laughs> Bob Greenblatt is partnering with the West Wing star Allison Janney and writer Alexa Jung from Grace and Frankie to adapt a, the book Confident Women into an anthology series oh. for Amazon Prime. Uh, the series will chronicle female con women in a range of different stories over the last several decades. That's cool. The project represents the first TV project for uh, Janie, who is attached as a non-writing executive producer alongside her producing partner, uh, Thurline's Chris Haynes, uh, 
Although Janny is not set to star in the first season, the door is open for her to appear on camera for future installments. Janny and Haynes uh, brought the idea to Greenblatt, the former NBC Showtime Warner Media and Fox executive who had been busy as of late and amassing a new stable of projects in development. So. So yeah, I mean that's a good guy to partner with. You know, uh, yeah. he's got a little experience. Yeah, and Allison Janney. I'm sorry, anything Allison Janney is in, I am watching. Yeah, like facts. she's just phenomenal, and it's gonna work. This one I was kind of shocked by, but I I think it's a victim of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, the the gap between season one and season two has been so long. I think Too literally much. people just forgot about this. Hunters will end with season two at Amazon, which will debut January 13th. The yeah. conspiracy thriller series originally debuted on the streamer back in 2020 and was renewed for a second season in August of last year though no mention was made at the time of the show ending with the new season now the cast of season one included as you guys know Al Pacino, Logan Lerman, Jerrica Hinton, Josh Randor, Kate Mavolny, Tiffany Boone, Greg Austin and just like a shit ton of other people um you guys know this is about how they were hunting down Nazis um it's now the second high-profile Amazon series to announce it will end after just two seasons. Carnival Row, starring Orlando Bloom and uh, Cara DeVille, also coming to an end when its second season debuts. So, again, I just think both of these shows, honestly, just out of sight, out of mind. People forgot about them, and just, I think Amazon is like, oh, well, we're just going to go. Yeah, I think Hunters, specifically, is definitely one of scheduling conflicts. Oh, these sure. are a lot of A-list cast members yeah. that have a lot of other shit going on so i can imagine it's probably hard to try to lock them down for a season two when they have so much other shit going on so that's all of their money and then carnival Row, you know that deals with like fairies and goblins which is all the good stuff so i i imagine cgi wise that one is a lot to endeavor so i mean it makes sense it makes sense but i still think amazon is doing something that none of the other streamers are doing which is accurate female representation with big time shows that are winning notoriety like Emmys and all of these other award platforms. So Amazon's still killing it. Let's be honest about it. Gabrielle Union and Ava Longora are developing an LGBTQ wedding comedy feature (laughs) for Amazon Studios. Like I said, they'll not only produce the film, but likely star as dueling soon-to-be mother-in-laws whose sons are getting married. The untitled project is being written by Ricardo Gamboya and produced by Marco and produced by Marco Film Studios. Unions all have another productions and Longora's unbelievable entertainment. It's crazy to even think about those two in mother roles. Oh, yeah. They I mean, still look just, young as shit. I know. What are you talking about? I know. But they're going to be hilarious together. I think that, that sounds like it's going to be freaking hilarious. Jumping over to Netflix now. And speaking of series that take forever in between seasons, The Crown Season 5 finally debuted and took the throne on this week's Netflix top. Top 10 English TV chart as the number one show over the November 7th through 13th viewing window. According to the streamers figures, the show's fifth season was viewed for 107.39 million hours following its premiere on November 9th and in the top 10 in 88 different countries. Now, in addition... 
The show also reached number one in 37 countries, including the UK, US, Canada, Australia, Germany, Italy, and France. Mm. Coming in second place is Manifest Season 4. The first part of that series finale chapter earned 74.78 million hours in the first full week of availability on the streamer, a slight jump from the 57.1 million figure recorded during its first three days. Now, meanwhile, Season 1 of the Supernatural drama continued its run in the top 10, just trailing behind at number four with 41.99 million viewers uh, viewed. Manifest Season 2 also ranked in ninth place with 18.2 million viewers. So people are tuning in to watch Manifest. <laughs> like They love Man. The Crown, it makes sense that it, it boomed and made so much because this is the year, guys, that Diana and Charles and like all this shit hits the fan. Um, it makes sense that it's getting the big the Yeah, views. and I'm also not surprise that i it might have even helped the ratings that the queen died because i'm just oh, gonna say sure. people who probably weren't watching it and then saw all the social media like division <laughs> between everybody's like fuck the queen no i love the queen so people were probably like what's going on mm. so they started watching the crown and probably started seeing stuff i would be surprised if their older seasons start seeing a nice uptick in views as well because of that reason and so. for all the young people that aren't really familiar that weren't like around during that era that are all like oh charles is king oh what a nice guy oh look at here they're going to watch this show and go, fuck, this fucker's king? Because he is not portrayed well in this. No. And he had some issues in real life, which is why he's not portrayed well in this. Um, I think they're going to have a whole new opinion of uh, King Chuck. Exactly. Just saying. Enjoy. Just saying. Enjoy. Claire Foy, queen forever, though. Just <laughs> That's saying. right. Just Loved saying. Cla they should have just aged her up. They should The whole season one cast should have just been aged the up to play. I, I, they were brilliant. It's like now I agree and disagree because Matt Smith on House of the Dragon. Yeah, so, yeah, I yeah, mean, you yeah. know. You no, know. for sure. Uh, Kyle Chandler <laughs> and Glenn Close are set to join Cameron Diaz Ooh. and Jamie Foxx. Fox and Netflix action comedy back in action. Yeah. Now the project drew headlines when it was announced in June on Fox's social media accounts as it marks Diaz return to acting after yeah. retiring back in 2018. The story from action comedy uh, is being kept under wraps but seth gordon is directing from the script that he wrote with brendan o'brien and it's kind of cool too because her last film that she did was the annie remake with yep. jamie fox so they must actually have like a good dynamic and a good relationship so yeah. that's awesome to see and i'm like i've always been a fan of cameron diaz oh so me too i'm excited to see her come back i am too now i wonder if the name is like a, a take on her coming back in action. Right. It's like, that's that's funny if so. Um, okay, jumping over to Apple. Maggie Q, Zoe Coletti, Van Crosby, and Sharon Hines have rounded out the cast of Apple Original Films and Skydance Media's action comedy, The Family Plan, starring the man, the myth legend himself, Mark Wahlberg, and Michelle Monaghan. Now, that's funny, because Michelle Monaghan, like, yeah, affiliated with Donnie also. Simon Celian Jones, who recently collaborated with Wahlberg on Arthur the King, will direct. Written by David Cod. Shall, the family plan tells the story of a suburban dad who must take his family on the run when his past catches up with him. Now, Municipal Pictures, which is Mark Wahlberg's uh, film company, uh, production company, Stephen Levinson and Wahlberg will produce with Skydance's David Ellison, Dana Goldberg, and Don Granger. I'm all in. Anything with, right. with Wahlberg and he's just been killing it. I'm in. Yeah, exactly. If you guys haven't checked out Wahlburgers on oh my HBO gosh. Max, uh, we did a top five shows you should be 
watching in November that is on that list. Oh, for sure. Be sure to watch the video still, though. Be sure to watch the video <laughs> still. Just saying. It's good. It's good. In a competitive bidding situation, uh, Apple TV Plus has landed a comedy starring and directed and co Written by the executive producer, Seth Rogen. With a straight-to-series order written by Rogen, Goldberg and Veep alums uh, Peter Hoyk and Alex uh, Gregory, and uh, to be directed by Rogen and Goldberg, the untitled series is about the legacy of Hollywood's movie studio trying to survive in a world where it is increasingly difficult for art and commerce to live together. Yeah. You guys know we love everything about the entertainment industry, so we're going to be checking this one out. Oh, for sure. And it's very similar, I'm not even going to lie, to something that we're working on, although we're going with a more dramatic take on it. But it's something that's prevalent in the industry today, art versus commerce. Can you make money or can you still tell stories? It's one of those things, man. Exactly. Uh, Jason Momoa, Aquaman himself's upcoming historical epic limited series Chief of War at Apple has cast Luciane Buchanan. Buchanan will now star in the nine-episode series opposite Momoa and Timura Morrison, better known as Boba Fett. It was first reported as being in the works at Apple back in April. Now, per the official logline, the series follows the epic and unprecedented telling of the unification and colonization of Hawaii oh. from an indigenous point of view. Buchanan will play Kaumahuana, described as intelligent and progressive in thought. Kaumahuana is curious about the larger world beyond her home island. Mm. So I think I nailed that name. You did. You did pretty good. I, yeah, that, that was like that was tough. You did way better than I would have. <laughs> I'm just saying. But I'm excited about that though because it's always awesome to see how things originated, especially oh, yeah. this technically state that we have that is an American colony that you know we just kind of took over. To be honest, like I mean, it just kind of that's the way it was. But I'm excited to see how everything happened and how it started up. And I mean, that's always been a beautiful culture that everybody here is fascinated with. So I'm pumped. Yeah, I think it's good because anytime those stories are ever told, it's always told from the Americans. Yeah. Right. So now we're getting a lot of this thanks to Taylor Sheridan and the Indian side of it and all this. And and now we're getting it from the other side, the indigenous point of view, the Native American point of view. And it's nice to see these stories told from how they interpreted what happened to them as opposed to yeah we came and took you i mean you know exactly exactly (laughs) but man oh man now it is time for our interview and we got the one only w trey davis coming on the show to talk about the biggest show that's out right now literally fire country it's on fucking fire it is it is literally pun intended this show is hot Another pun intended. Uh, this is a fantastic interview, guys. He talks about not only how he got started in the industry, but how the industry is so drastically changed from the time that he started. The casting process post-COVID, now that's changed. He also talks, and I really love this part of it, he talks really in detail about Fire Country and how the producers and creators of that show are taking such care in the diversity and development of the characters on that show and presenting them the right way. You guys are going to love this interview. Yeah, you really are, man. You really are. I love how he's such, he's just a calm, cool, collected individual. For sure. Like, love it. Love it. Well, here he is. Trey Davis, welcome inside the Crazy Ant Farm, man. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Oh, dude, we are so excited to have you. We are like all in on Fire Country, bro. It's like it's a must see in our house. Uh, we're thoroughly enjoying it as well as the country. I mean, right. So and we, so many of our listeners are pumped that we're talking to you. We, we're so excited about that, man. Thank you for joining us. No, no, no. It's my pleasure. And, you know, it's it's really a trip, man, because the, the nature of it is you just do it and you, you don't know how people are going to react to it. Um, so it's been kind of like a pleasant surprise for me. Yeah, oh, I bet. for sure. Facts. We we to post other types of uh, videos on our YouTube channel and we just posted a uh, top five shows you should be watching in November and Fire Country is like very high up on that list, man. Oh, yeah. I feel like, you know, when they started releasing the promos and stuff like that, like it really amped me up and it really like wanted me to talk about it more on social media and let people know what this thing was happening. And I mean, those Nelson and freaking uh, records came out, bro, and fucking Fire Country is up there. So it's a good thing to see. No, and, and the best part about it is everybody involved with the process from the big bosses, the producers, to the actors, to the crew, everybody is, is really, really dope. Really good people to root for, you know? Well, for sure. Well, that that's fantastic. And we're going to talk way more about that. Don't worry. But what we like to do is, uh, for anybody who may not be familiar with you or, or just a kind of a brief introduction, let's talk about how you got started in the industry and as an actor. Was it something that you knew you always wanted to do? Did you just kind of fall into it? Talk about that a little bit. You know, um, I grew up in, in Houston, and um, I actually went to – a high school that was a public high school, but it, it had this incredible theater tradition, um, Elsick High School in, in Houston, Texas. And I ended up going to college at Webster Conservatory after deciding I wanted to stick with it. Um, and the best way that I can describe my experience as an actor is that it's been kind of a slow burn getting mm-hmm. to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. But I also never felt like I walked into a room that I didn't belong in. Mm. Whatever level I was in, it seemed like I was in the right place, if that makes sense. Well, oh, for sure. Yeah, no, that it's so important because I, I we talk about that all the time, the importance of never feel like you don't belong in the room. You're there for a reason, and if you have self-doubt, that's going to put out to people, and they're going to doubt, right? So it's so important. that I'm so glad you brought that up because I feel like a lot of young people trying to get into the industry, they feel like, oh my gosh, this is the biggest audition of my life. Maybe, maybe I don't deserve it, or maybe I don't belong here. And it's like, no, that's the worst thing you can do. Of course you belong there. So it's so good to to hear that that you go in thinking like that um so so from texas right that were you did you start in a, like did you know you were always going to bounce out are you going to la i got to go to new york because that's another thing i feel like people don't realize is you can do it from anywhere you don't have to just i got to get to la or i got to get to new york talk about that process what was your and you said theater right so did you start in theater did you always know you were going to go film television at one point or were you thinking i'm a theater guy you know, I, I always sort of thought of myself as a theater guy. And I'm, I'm old enough that the, that the industry tra- changed radically mm. from the time that I first started and the time that we're in now. Mm. When I first started, you really did feel like if you want to do theater, you're going to go to New York. You want to do TV and film, you're going to go to L.A. Yep. And I guess the, the best way to sort of articulate that is I remember – You'd hear you'd be in New York because I spent the first 12 years of my career there and someone might book a pilot out of New York. 
like just going to auditions in New York. And that was a big deal. For sure. That, that was like a thing that you said, oh, she booked a pilot out of New York. Like LA actually flew her to, you know, and it was just a different thing. But with the new television era and the explosion and so many things, you can book anywhere. But, you know, Tyra Banks used to say on uh, um, America's Next Top Model, it, it, it's hard to be, a, or you can't be a model in Iowa. And, and I, I do think that there's a degree of truth to that. The further you are from the industry, the harder it is. So it's possible, but there's just more you have to overcome if you're trying to book out of like Dallas or, you know, New Orleans, places with a lot of talent, but they're just not booking leads out of there yet. Right. Oh, most definitely. And I mean, it's all about, you know, finding yourself and finding your footing. And I want to take it back just a tiny bit, uh, talk about identity a little bit. When you got into theater, was it something that was like, you know, because I also started in theater. I went to public school as well, and I also played a lot of sports in high school. And a lot of my sports buddies just did not understand why I got on that stage. So with you coming from Texas, big freaking baseball Astros, congratulations, by the way, and <laughs> and big into football with, with trying to figure out yourself at such a young age, how was it, you know, getting onto that stage? Did you have a little trouble with your identity or was it kind of just like a natural progression? You know, that's, that's a good question. I, I'd i like to say I had maybe a little more trouble, but one of the things is I went to a high school. If you wanted to play football, I mean, you had to be pretty, pretty doggone good. For sure. Right. I mean, if you wanted to play varsity basketball, there's only 12, 13 spots. Uh-huh. Those guys were 6'3", 6'4", 6'7". Most six, definitely. Yep. Um, and so I'm, I'm seeing guys that would go on to be All-American track stars and – play basketball at the D1 level and I'm realizing that I'm not as good. <laughs> I'm pretty good, but perhaps if I'd gone to a high school with a with a lesser athletic tradition, I may have been fooled into thinking that I was better than I was. But at that time I was able to say, you know, you're not an elite athlete. You're good. Right. Um, you know, it was easy for me to kind of transition into something else. And the the basketball players, football players came to our plays. We went to their football games. That's awesome. You know, it was a a cool experience. So, okay, so now then let's talk about the transition, right? Because you know your identity. This is where you're at. You feel, okay, I've found what I'm good at. This is what I'm going to focus on. You learn. You go to New York. You're a theater guy. You're feeling it. And then all of a sudden, it's film and television. That's a whole different ball game, right? Because theater, you're taught everything from the very beginning. It's a, it's a to project yourself, play to the back. Everything is big. Everything is loud. And then you come into TV and film, and it, the camera's right here. And every little tiny thing you do is like noticeable. Was that a hard transition? Did you find, or were you able to like just adapt quickly, or what? Do, how, what was that like? You know, to speak specifically to, to to what I think you're getting at, the auditioning wasn't wasn't totally hard because I think that when I began to move into the TV and film realm, by that time, it took a long time for me personally to get an agent. Right. And you have to have an agent to start auditioning at that level. Uh-huh. So over this time, I've done 20, 25 plays in New York. But I haven't done any TV and film auditions. Uh-huh. And then I, my team sort of ups itself in an in, in in organic way. And I'm auditioning all the time. But I have eight years of auditioning. 
Mm. And I had eight years of being like a straight up pro in New York. So I was ready to, to audition and I immediately began to get a positive response from that. But the actual building of performance and um, sort of finding what my, what my process was going to be that, that took time. Yeah. And, and that took um, watching myself and not being entirely <laughs> happy with what I'm seeing. For sure. <laughs> Just having to deal with that, like as, as an adult and as a professional craftsperson to say, okay, this is what I want to improve on. Mm-hmm. I'm learning on the job. Most definitely. And for something else too, I'm trying to talk about more about, you know, finding the right agent and being able to find representation. It's kind of like trying to get a job when you're a teenager, you know, they, they want experience, but you have to get a job to get experience. It's like that type of thing. So how do you get an agent when you don't necessarily have that footage to put together a demo reel or, you know, do all of these things? How do you progress and continue moving forward to try to get to that point to where you can be represented? I, you know, I'll say this, and this is, this is my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. And my, I came up through the New York circuit, mm-hmm. and I've always, this. My opinion is that life is hard in New York. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to live there, for a lot of reasons. Great in a lot of ways, but hard. Yeah. But the industry is not not as tough. Mm. Um, life is better in L.A. <laughs> 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 it's warm and it's. And people are pleasant, and, and it's it's nice, um, but the industry's tough. Yeah, it's rough on you mm-hmm. in LA uh, because you don't have those equity showcases like we did. You don't you don't have this step into the industry where you're doing some really really, you know, cheaply put on play, and and it's some great playwright, and then the New York Times comes and makes you a New York cri- uh, critics pick, and suddenly that's something that works for you. Right. So finding an, an agent for me was really about ringing the bell over and over mm. and over again. But I had theater sustaining me artistically, right. if not financially, and sort of giving me these little treats that saying, okay, stick around, stick around. Right. So it's hard for me to relate that to LA. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I do believe that the best way to get an agent is through referral. So it's kind of like consistency, repetition, keep moving forward. You know, it'll, it, no matter what happens, like it'll happen as long as you keep going and don't give up. Well, and I love that you said referral, right? Because this is also an industry that's full of networking. It's not necessarily always about what you know, it's who you know. And you might know such and such, you know such and such, who knows an agent. And now now you, you've got an agent, you know. And so that's critically important as well. And I like, you know, go, throwing it back a little bit to when you said how the industry has changed so drastically, right? Because I think an important thing you said about L.A., it, you know, and how it's real tough out there and everything. Because back in the day, prior to the whole COVID and now everybody doing Zoom and everything, right, you walk in a room in L.A. and there's – a hundred other people that look exactly like you all going for the same role, right? (laughs) Like a little bit easier when you're that bigger fish in a smaller pond, as opposed to that small fish in a big pond that everybody looks exactly the same. I think at least now zoom has kind of made it like you're not necessarily always in that room. Now you get to do a self tape. Now you're being isolated and people can see you as opposed to, you know, 
Um, talk about that transition and, you know, we're going for, because it is a zoom era now, right? Are you finding yourself more in the audition process, more doing self tapes and submitting as opposed to going to the room and in-person reads and stuff? And how has that affected your career? You know, when the pandemic happened, there were a lot of fears that we obviously all had. And a lot of them were really important. You know, what are, <laughs> when am I going to see my family again? What if my mom gets it? What if my grandfather gets it? Things right. like that. Um, but when it came to the, my career, the number one fear I had was we can't audition. And it's going to be a while before we can. And relinquishing the power of knowing that you've lit up a casting director's face. You may not get the call back, but you know that you've affected the room. Mm-hmm. And now you've lost that. Um, you don't know what happens. Right. It was terrifying, but it's it's been nice. It's It's rather nice to, like... Do an audition in your underwear. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a few friends who are casting directors. I've asked them this, and every person has said this. Every single casting director I've ever talked to, we watched every tape. Mm. We watched every tape. Right. We don't skip tapes, because why would we do that? That tape the one. and if not them, the assistant, but every tape gets watched. And there's just something about that that gives me a lot of comfort because mm. there's no getting around it. If you're going to get, um, if you're going to test for a role, a pilot on network, there's a, there's a lot of yeses that have to happen before you can get to the testing course. For sure. A lot of yeses have that you've gone through mm-hmm. and thousands of tapes. It doesn't matter if you're standing in the room in the initial audition or you do a self-tape from New Zealand, at some point, someone's going to be watching your tape and you have no idea it's happening. So it's all kind of the same thing. And it's just competitive. Mm-hmm. If, there may not have been as many actors in 1955 in Los Angeles, but there were like three TV shows. Exactly. Right? So like <laughs> the competition was stiff. And there are a million TV shows now, mm-hmm. but there are hundreds of thousands of people who think they're an actor who have the ring light and an iPhone and they can send in their stuff. Facts. You really never know. So it's just the same. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It can be very competitive. It can weigh a lot on one's ability and mental focus. So that's something else we like to talk about recently on the podcast is the mental health game because it ends is an industry full of selection. We like to say selection instead of rejection because it just sounds better. Um, (laughs) But with an industry full of selection and you're not always getting selected and you're basically, your job is auditioning. What, how do you keep your mental health sane and continue moving forward as an actor, as someone who loves the craft? I think that, you know, one thing that helps is the, the amount that you audition. Hmm. Obviously, yeah. you know. So the more you audition, the more the easier it is to let go hmm. of certain things. And so, if I'm talking to a friend and they only have, you know, two auditions a month on a busy month, then there's a different context with which I'm trying to support them than a friend who has thirty auditions a month. Right. I'm like, let it go. I mean, like, tell <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you got more to memorize. Or if I'm saying to a friend, I understand that like there's a lot that feels like it's on the line mm-hmm. because we have two auditions. Right. But when it's all about reframing. So and reframing can be difficult when things are negative and positive. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're having to say to yourself, okay, I'm going in and I'm, I might not, I'm probably not going to get this because I don't know this casting director and it's a Martin Scorsese movie. Right. But you nail it. And so now the casting director brings you in for something else. Mm-hmm. And so you're auditioning for more than just that role. You're auditioning for the right to have a spot in that casting director's mind. So you're right. reframing. Just like when you don't get it at the at the testing stage and it hurts like hell because you know all the details and it's not um, abstract anymore. It's right. I, I'm being, I, I can get it, but you have to say, no, no, no. This is what I've done. I did a nice job. Reframe it. And sometimes you have to reframe when you've moved ahead mm. and be able to say, oh, I didn't get that co-star but maybe it's time for me to move on from that or maybe that wasn't the right role sort of kind of where i am now most definitely yeah i'm in the brain i think for sure and you know it's i love every time that we have guests on and they they bring that up right and we talk about selection and not rejection and everything and you talk about the importance of lighting up the casting director's eyes right we had a guest on before. No, um, tony winters who described it as you know maybe that day they were looking at for a Porsche and I'm a Maserati. I know I'm a great Maserati, but that day they wanted a Porsche. That doesn't mean they don't, they don't think I'm a great Maserati. Right. And if you light up that casting director's eyes, he's going to remember that. And so when he does need a Maserati, he's going to pick that Maserati. So I love that idea that just because you didn't get it, you know that you did well and they're going to remember that because down the line, that's so important. They might be holding on for a role specifically for you because you blew them away in an audition and it might not have been right for that, but they remember you for something else. And I mean, that's so critically important. You know, that reminds me of something and uh, let me know if I go too long, but when I first started auditioning for TV and film, I went in for Tucker Meyerson, which is office in New York, Mm Julie Tucker. And Personally, I feel like they can be they can be tough. You know, they're not messing around up in there. Um, you got to know your stuff. You got to be ready to go. Um, and I went in, might have been my second time auditioning for a series regular. And I was okay. Um, I knew I was okay. You know, I was just sort of just kind of getting into the groove of auditioning. It uh-huh. didn't take me long. And I didn't get called in for a year uh-huh. for that office. And about a year later, I kept a very detailed audition log at that time. Um, she called me in and I did my audition and she said, Trey, you know, you, I saw you a while ago and you were, you were pretty good that day, but you were very good today. Mm. Tell me what happened in the last year. And we talked about it. But the thing is, is she'd seen thousands of actors mm-hmm. that year, thousands. And she immediately knew who I was. She remembered uh. who I was based off an audition that I felt was sort of mediocre. Mm. And what it taught me is that she's a pro. These people are professionals. They know how to do their job. Uh-huh. And you should have faith in the industry. Oh, for sure. Have faith in the fact that <laughs> these people know when they see something really good, when they see something that sparks their interest and you may not hear back about it in a week you may not hear back about it in two months but when you're always prepared always good you're you're, you're creating a lot of goodwill mm. and she taught me a huge lesson by saying i underestimated her ability to remember who i was because she has a job 
but I have a hard job. Right. And, and I can do it. Um, so don't take those, those auditions for granted at all because they remember and they will bring you back. Exactly. And I, this actually, what you were just saying kind of like sparked an idea into my head. The whole entertainment industry is kind of like on set. Now, stay with me. Uh, <laughs> it's basically where you hurry up and wait. All the actors, they're in the fast lane. They feel like they have to be going like freaking boom, 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 super fast, like trying to audition for everything because there's so many projects out, like so many streamers and everything like that. But everybody who's in charge of the projects, it takes time. It takes money. It takes all of these different things. So to be to have that you know, knowledge of how the industry works, I feel like is very important for everybody who's trying to break into it. And, you know, because you might not hear back from something, like you said, you auditioned for, for like probably a month or maybe a month and a half, just because there's so much other stuff that's going on in the background that is unbeknownst to you, but you have to continue being positive and keep moving forward. And I think that's what it's all about in the entertainment industry. Because if you make an impression on somebody, you will get called back from that person. It might be a week, it might be a month, it might even be six months, but it will happen at some point as long as you make that impression. And I think that's what you do in your audition. You make that impression of being just a good person and a creative talent. So we appreciate you for that and passing along your, you know, your knowledge about everything. Because that's what I'm really hearing from this interview is you're really insightful you're really knowledgeable about how it goes down and i i cannot thank you enough for that oh thank you man i i really appreciate that and and i feel like the complexity of the industry gives me comfort mm. that it's it's the idea that it's impossible is what's scary or yeah. or, or, or or that you have to have this many followers or you have to be famous or that's what's scary to me. Mm-hmm. But know that you can get really, really, really good auditions. And if you do that four years straight, if you're getting in, um, that good things can happen. Mm-hmm. Gives me comfort. Now, there's always caveats, right? Like, for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you got to get in. That's a practical problem and it has to be solved. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't have an agent. That's a practical problem and mm-hmm. it has to be solved there's no way around it uh, it's like being in the union so i just try my best to <laughs> to bring to embrace that complexity and know that hey man it's it's hard to get a co-star it's hard to recur mm-hmm. it's a miracle to get a a series regular yeah um, and everybody has periods of not working exactly for sure well okay look you're you're clearly I, I love I love the theme that's going on right consistent consistency if you consistently give God auditions you consistently do well in front of people that matter and you consistently keep make yourself memorable to those people good things happen well fire country you're the prime example of somebody who's consistently good consistently memorable and that's how you get an opportunity to be on the highest rated new drama of the season it's one of the highest rated shows period on television right now it's freaking math so much so that they just announced we're going to have it in our industry news section this week that you guys are getting a special episode after the AFC championship game they don't put shit like behind those big games unless they feel it's got some potential so you guys are killing it it's literally on fire right now it's so good what i really liked about this show 
that a lot of people don't know is this is real. This is a real thing. This prison inmate stuff that where they go into these crews and they get an opportunity to work out. That's a real thing. And I love that that story is being shared now because the amount of people that I talked to that had no idea, they thought it was pure fiction, that it was just fake for the show. I'm like, no, this is a real thing that happens. And I mean, I love that you guys are getting it out there. Um, Freddie, I got to say, no spoilers. I'm trying to keep away from spoilers, but this week's episode... Freddie was pretty, uh, pretty bold and out there, and may have caused a little bit of trouble for his yeah. for his buddy there, right? I mean, I love the the direction that they're taking Freddie and that relationship, and I think that's getting a little bit more bold. And and you know, now there's that they they trust each other, but without giving away too many spoilers, you may have kind of just jostled that trust a little bit. <laughs> Talk about the direction of Freddie's character and, and that relationship between him and Bodie and, and like this whole thing going down. Cause I think it's an extraordinary relationship that they highlighted from the very first episode. Absolutely. I, and I think that it would be a disservice to me not to start with Max. Max Periad who plays Bodie and he's a show creator. Max is the absolute real deal. Um, he you you he is what you think he is, but he's an, he's a complete gentleman. Um, he grew up in Northern California. He has a lot of friends that work for Cal Fire, and so the show is essentially about uh, him trying to highlight you know the work that these people do, these first responders do to keep people's homes and towns safe. But he also has a great deal of respect for people, mm. and so with the convict part of the show, <clears throat> he really wanted to make sure that because so much of the show deals with Cal Fire, that there was enough angle, enough story given to what these prisoners are. And there's absolutely no judgment on these men as people. His his character, Bodhi, committed a very serious crime, armed robbery. So it's not like he, you know, he's in for, for, <laughs> for right. stealing church or anything like that. Um, and with what they've given me, allowing Freddie to be a full person, sort of starting off as just a comic relief, but giving me more dimension has been really cool. Yeah, for, for sure. And I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I do think that they're doing a very good job of that. Okay, they're convicts. And so many times that's a there's a stigma attached to that. They must be this horrible person, this bad person, if they're a convict and they're in prison. But so many times... There are pe- we're all human. We make mistakes. And it doesn't necessarily mean you are a bad person or a piece of shit human being if you made a mistake and you end up in prison. And I think this this show is doing a really good job of highlighting sometimes circumstances are circumstances and good people end up in bad spots. And the, the redeeming factor that this show is showing you saying, hey, these are good people with a, that had a bad spot. And, and I love that you guys are doing that. It's been it's been really, really cool to be a part of something like that and for there to be real care and effort to make sure that everyone is three dimensional. Mm-hmm. You know, this first season, you you'd be surprised at how TV shows are thrown together um, the first season and considering like how much story they're being told and the fact that we're trying to solve a, this huge problem every week. Um, while giving detail and care to everyone has been really successful. I've been really impressed uh, watching it myself. 
Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And I think something that Fire Country is doing that a lot of other shows kind of similar to this is showing, like you said, the realism of these people and the the dimension. Because when you think about like any other show that has to deal with inmates, you think about, you know, hardcore motherfuckers that are supposed to be big and bad (laughs) and all this shit. But like everybody who's on the crew has a nice, wholesome moment in the show and it doesn't portray them as these bad people and that's exactly what it is it's situational stance um veering off topic just a tiny little bit you ever work out with max bro that dude is huge (laughs) like you know it's funny i've done a little bit with him but uh my some of my my buddies back home been laughing at me because they're like hey you know yeah, what's up with Max, man? Why, you know, why is his shirt so tight? Right. <laughs> his jumpsuit does seem a little bit tighter <laughs> than everybody else's. I'm like, I don't, you don't, you don't understand, man. <laughs> he's, not, he's not TV big. Some people are like TV big. Right, right, right. He's a really big guy. Right. <laughs> 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 well okay and so you know oh that's fantastic by the way i just can't but i want to go back to a little bit about the cast too because another thing that i think this show is doing extremely well is it's such a diverse cast yeah right we have so many different backgrounds of people and and people of color and their storylines and it's such a diverse story and it's such a diverse mix of people and how you guys are interacting i think they're doing a brilliant job with that um so kudos on all that and they're dealing with so many real life issues you know like like the 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 guilt of losing a family member that the cancer story that they're trying to deal with somebody dying and keeping it a secret and then the friendship stuff the girlfriend thing so many real issues amongst real people it's just fantastic and again not too many crazy spoilers but i don't know if he still wants you to have his back but i feel (laughs) like freddie needs to get up in in bodie's face and say Knock that shit off with with the girl, okay? Because that ain't right. There's a code there, man. Like, what? What's? It? Although, I, am I wrong or she's kind of initiating that shit, right? Like, I mean, she, I feel like she's bringing that on. I don't, I don't know what my man is supposed to do. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I just say it. But we know what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stop him from doing that shit. That's what you're supposed. to <laughs> Sometimes, though, man, you know, it's, it's hard up in there. It's hard. Up there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is absolutely hilarious. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for coming on the show and getting a little crazy. This has been an absolute blast. Honestly, you're welcome back anytime. If you ever want to come back on, you get a free day. I know you were off today. And so, uh, yeah, anytime you're off and you want to come back and shoot the shit, we do like a top five segment where every top or every week is like top five horror films, top five Leonardo DiCaprio films, Denzel Washington, anything like that. So, I mean, anytime you want to come back on, you're more than welcome, brother. Thanks a lot, man. I had a really great time. You guys are dope. And thanks for the support. The show's a real trip. It's cool to be a part of. And I'm just so excited. Well, look, man, we don't know the the rest of the storyline and how it plays out. But I am hoping and I am pulling that you continue to move forward and that you're not only throughout the season, but that you get a series regular, man. Cause I feel like that relationship is there. I feel like that dynamic is there. And I feel like Freddie has earned that shit. And, uh, dude, best of luck. I I know it's going to be a continued success. I know you guys are going to slay it for, for many years to come. So, um, thanks man. Really, really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. Of course. Before we let you go, uh, it's all about social media now. You know that. We talked a little bit about it, but where can people follow you? Because we want to make sure everybody does. We just followed you, so we want to make sure everyone does. 
my big thing is Instagram. So W Trey Davis at Instagram. There you go. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Well, uh, thank you again so much. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon, man. Have a great rest of your night. Absolutely. You too. All thank right, you. man. Take Bye. care. Man, that was so freaking good. I enjoyed just talking to that man. He was so real. Yeah, and he, I, well, and that translates into his character, right, Freddie? Yeah. Like we were talking there at the end of the interview about the realism of the characters and stuff. And you're right, like like he has. You can tell that he has an extreme knowledge mm-hmm. of the industry and how to navigate it, the good and the bad. I also liked how he said he's there to support his fellow actors. Hey, mm-hmm. man, come on, move past that. You got 30 other auditions, and I might have to say something different to the guy that's got two. You know, Again, falling into the knowledge of the industry and how to show support for people that are doing this crazy thing we love, right? Exactly. Something I really took away from this is, you know, we talk about all the time taking risks, but he takes calculated risks. Yeah. Like he, he thinks about all of these different things, and before he attacks, he thinks about, you know, the plan of attacks. And I think that is very important you don't want to rush too hastily into something and then be like kicked out on the street so it's very important one of my favorite things that he said one of my favorite lines that he said is that the complexity of the industry Mm. actually inspires him so many times people are terrified of being outside of the comfort zone but he takes that complexity and that difficulty of being outside of the uh, you know comfort zone and makes it his inspiration and that's fucking brilliant for sure for sure thank you again trey davis for coming on the show all right now it is time for the top five segment and this week it is movies based on tv shows oh man there was a lot to think of to be honest because there's a lot of different things that you guys know we love all sorts of content so it was hard to check pick just five uh yeah this one was really tough yeah like, there's no doubt about it for so, sure uh, um number five for me goes to starsky and hutch yes i do not know um because i was like a infant when this one came out so uh it was definitely <laughs> very enjoyable to me i don't those who watch the original tv show were probably like what the fuck are we watching um but I, it was so freaking funny uh when you get owen wilson and ben stiller together i feel like their dynamic is so freaking good obviously since they've worked on so many projects together oh for sure um but yeah and then you throw snoop dogg in there vince vaughn like this is an a-list cast that does not disappoint to be honest so that's why it's on my list it's definitely one that i go back and still watch to this day which in the era of you know us being filmmakers and not really having much time to go back and re-watch movies this is definitely one of them so number five for me is starsky and hutch for sure i was a wee little kid you know he said he was a wee little kid when that movie came out i was a wee little kid when the series it's based on was out i watched the series and fucking loved it the car was badass so when they said that they were gonna do a movie based on it i was all in and the movie although comedic and the show was not it's fucking it's a great retelling isn't it though of of the the series and and snoop i mean fantastic in his role as pimp He, he he's outstanding um, they even do a little take on David Soul's music career with "Don't Give Up on Me, Baby." Yeah, and like yeah. it's so fucking funny. It was a, it was a nice tribute to the TV show. I yeah. thought, it, and yet stood on its own as its own film too. So yeah, good choice, man. Good choice. 
My number five, much along those same type lines. Neither one of us was born when this was originally out. Right. <laughs> but you did catch the reruns. I've caught all the reruns. I love the reruns of the show. And so I was looking forward to the movie, The Adams Family. I thought the casting of this film was fucking brilliant from top to bottom. Everybody that played Morticia and Gomez and Wednesday and, and Pugsley and just, you know, it and, and, and all of them, Uncle Fester, they were brilliantly cast. I thought this was a real well done live action version of the show they've had successful animated versions of the show also yeah. in film right but for as far as the live action version goes I thought this was really 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 well done um, and as you guys know now they're doing Wednesday on Netflix, right? Um, Christina Ricci, who played Wednesday in these movies that I'm talking about, does have a, a appearance on that show where, cool. with Jenna Ortega. Um, and it's getting mixed reviews. I'm hearing mm. that it's okay, but not great. And it's not as good as these movies that I'm referencing are. So I don't know. I'll have to watch it and give my own opinion on it. But um, these movies, if you haven't seen it, absolutely outstanding. So make sure if you're a fan of the Adams Family and you just like good goofy horror type you know stuff you're gonna love these movies so make sure that you definitely check them out unfortunately you know several of the members of the cast have left us unfortunately um even more so reason to go watch because i think you'll really enjoy it for sure completely agree completely agree well number four for me goes to oh yeah <laughs> oh you guys know we love this show entourage man oh man like this we, we this one is definitely on repeat all the fucking time if we ever just want to get like a tiny bit inspired we just throw on entourage oh yeah like it's just so damn good and then the movie i i feel like they did a pretty good job of summing everything up and wrapping everything up but you know it's never you don't want it to end it's one of those shows that it literally could have gone on forever if they wanted to um but the movie did it justice i felt like and bringing everybody back a few years after the original series and i mean come on now it was just so damn good everybody in their roles is fit to play their part and it's just so great that's definitely one that's got some rewatch value as well so Entourage, the movie. Oh, without doubt. It is the the definitive look at what really takes place in this industry. And if you haven't watched the show or the movie, you most definitely have to. And I hope at Bix. some point, because HBO did a awful job. Warner Brothers did an awful job of marketing the film. Yeah. And it didn't do as well as I think it could have had they gotten behind it with a marketing campaign. I, I want more. Yeah, I want me too. more. So hopefully Doug Ellen and the gang will get together and go, you know what? Okay, let's do it. Let's come back to it. So we'll see. I don't know. My number four. It's an 80s show. One of my favorite 80s shows that debuted after a Super Bowl of all places. Go figure. Um, was remade into a movie. I'm, of course, talking about The A-Team. Mm. Liam Neeson, Bradley Cooper. I mean, come on. You all, already, it's a hit. But uh, it's basically about a, a, a team of former Vietnam soldiers that are on the run because they were wrongfully convicted of or charged of something that they didn't do, and they're trying to clear their name. But they're driving around you know, the country in this kick-ass van helping people who need help because um, that's what The A-Team does. Uh, all kinds of fun, crazy stuff. But basically, one one of the characters face uh is a con man he's really good at con and and so cooper is playing that bradley cooper is playing him he's phenomenal in the role everything about this movie was it took everything great about the tv series and translated it into the film and uh it was a great great uh 
interpretation of the story. I loved it. I fucking loved it. I laughed through the whole thing. I thought it was great. Lots of action, lots of, you know, drama, but also a ton of comedy and a, a nice tribute to the show. Oh, for sure. For sure. I was uh, just getting into UFC when that first came out and Rampage yeah. Jackson yes. fucking playing Mr. T. Like, it's so freaking yeah. good. <laughs> so good. So good. Great pick. Uh, oh, yeah. Number three for me goes to Batman Beyond The Return of Joker. Mm. I mean, come on on guys i mean of course jason todd one of the all-time like in my opinion best robins and then transitioning into the red hood and all the good stuff but then batman beyond that's one of my favorite interpretations of batman even though it's not bruce wayne who is the end-all be-all but i mean just to be able to be in the future and bring back some of the original characters and to talk about how crazy and how smart the joker is like in general to be able to i forget what it was if he like put a chip into mm -hmm, jason mm -hmm. todd and like just at some point it turned on and jason todd turned into the joker or a reincarnated version of the joker so the storytelling in this film i believe is just so freaking good bringing up past experiences from a different Batman who is the mentor, obviously. But Batman Beyond needs a live-action show, movie, anything mm. like that. Um, it would be so freaking great. Michael yeah. Michael Keaton playing Bruce Wayne, old version, be great. Oh, fucking fantastic. It's so funny because this is like a roundabout circle kind of a thing. This is a film based on a TV show that was based off of Batman Beyond. I mean, uh, Batman the Animated Series, which was a series based on a movie. Yeah. That was kind of, it's all goes full circle into how these things all come about but that's an excellent pick anything within the batman animated series and spawned off of it films tv shows whatever best ever like they're all fantastic yeah. and and you know and we should say we, we Connor, yeah uh, i was about to say we didn't have a show last week and uh yeah it's it's a crazy it's passing. heartbreaking like, man he's the, definitive voice of batman in my opinion when you Just, think about batman you think about his voice everybody is trying to emulate kevin conroy yeah let's be honest about it and just to to be able to have experienced his art is such a pleasure, to be honest. And uh, just everything that he has given to the craft and to the character, uh, it's been absolutely beautiful and uh yeah it's a uh, it's definitely a legend lost i mean and and the industry knows it in in the latest batman pattison's batman i'm vengeance that's a direct line that kevin conroy said in batman the animated series that was given into the film as a as paying homage to him um it, he's that guy yeah uh it's sad um my number three is speaking keeping it in the comic book family james gunn himself i don't know if a lot of people know that james gunn is the mastermind behind this but i'm talking about the live action version of Scooby Doo. Mm. Oh my God, Freddie Prince Jr. and 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 uh, Sarah Michelle Geller and just the gang, Matthew Lillard and I mean they're all fucking. It was brilliant casting from start to finish for 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 Mystery Inc. Right. Um, Scooby, the CGI was outstanding for back in the day. I thought that the dog looked amazing. Uh, Scooby, uh, Scrappy Doo, uh, like all the kind of. This movie just had me, because I'm old, and I'm a Scooby-Doo fan. I loved the fucking cartoons way back in the day. I was hooked from the get-go. So when I saw this, and it was live action, and live action, and mystery machine, and I was all in. And it was a brilliant interpretation of the group. It was funny. It was serious. It was like everything about it. 
all the innuendos and all the kind of stuff. It was just brilliant. And the sequel was really good. And then James Gunn went away and they recast the characters and they, and they tried to continue on and it fucking sucked. Yeah. Just don't do it without James Gunn. Don't do it without the original cast. Bad idea from start to finish. But Scooby-Doo, the original and the sequel, definitely were worth it. You guys got to check it out if you haven't seen it. I'm betting this guy probably loved it too. Um... Well, we'll see. Well, um, but I'm, I, how can you not love it? My number three, Scooby Doo, for sure, for sure. Well, number two for me goes to the Simpsons movie. Ooh, now, yeah. this one I wanted to put on my list because everybody knows how big of a animation guy I am, especially adult animation with adult comedy. Not like hentai porn or anything like that. We're talking about just like just fucking, you know, TV 14. Yeah, good old time. Nothing crazy. Uh, t- <laughs> anyway, so. No, no, no Greg Berlanti tapping anybody? No, 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 no. not this week. <laughs> not this week. But this was my first realization and idolization that these type of movies can be turned into films, mm, yeah. especially for the big screen, because that's where I went and saw this film. It was such a special experience because just to be able to tell this own its own individual story inside of this huge, masterful franchise that had already been going for like 20 years by that point, um, it was such an incredible sight to see. So it's definitely been one of those that have left its imprint on my creative brain on trying to create something exactly like that. So I I had to put on my list, of course. So the Simpsons movie, my number two. Yes. Now my number two, I know what you're going to think, right? And because I've said time and time and time and time again, I am not a fan of Tom Cruise. However, I am a fan of pretty much all of his movies, which makes it really difficult. But um, I, again, was not born when this show was originally aired, but I caught all the reruns, obviously. It's one of those iconic, you know, the music yeah you know it you love it should you choose to accept it and then by the way the mission will explode in uh if you don't take it i'm of course talking about mission impossible guys it's i think one of the greatest film franchises it just keeps going and going and going it is one of the rare franchises that continues to get better with each movie which is hard to do when you continue to keep making uh sequels um but in my opinion they do do it successfully it's great casting um and it's a great retelling on a much larger grander scale than the tv show about you know uh, spies taking care of business worldwide and getting stuff done you know when you can get superman himself henry cavill in there you know like you, you know you're doing right right um if you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. It's it's totally, you know, Peter Graves from the original TV show was in the first one, made an appearance and everything, so kind of homage to it. But it's just good fun. Spy movies, lots of action, lots of kicking ass. Tom Cruise doing all his own fucking stunts. Like, I mean, it's just, it's a really good action-packed, fun movies. That's that's why I like them. Sometimes you just need to get away and have shit that's in like totally not possible, right? Like impossible if you will. But you need those every now and then to just escape to the movies and I feel like these Mission Impossible movies do that. They're good escapes. I completely agree. I completely agree with yeah, the seventh installment being like the highest grossing one out of the franchise yeah. out of fucking seven movies. That yeah. sounds crazy. Um, but man, oh man, uh, the only other franchise that's doing something like that in this particular line is Fast and Furious. And you have like a whole family of fucking mm. stars, but 
not not this they're one. in trouble did you see that Mm-mm. the latest one the budget's ballooned to over 300 million dollars and it's being threatened to be shut down by the studio because it's so over on cost and production I like wouldn't be surprised yeah. i wouldn't Oops. be surprised if that one ever ends but yeah we'll I mean, see we'll see number one for me goes to scooby-doo live action i knew I mean, it, it i knew it so good man it's definitely one that um as a child growing up it's with like just to be able to see the character come to life and what's his place who plays shaggy he oh, has Matthew such, yeah he has such a fond appreciation and love for that character and the franchise um even indianapolis children's museum which is the biggest children's museum in the world just wanted to let everybody know um they had a scooby-doo exhibit and he went there and like just explored it all and like the actual mystery machine from the movies was there got to take pictures by it it was so fucking badass but it's just different things like that that you know you're a kid again you see these things and you feel like you did when you were a kid without all the responsibility and the guilt and the drama and all the shit but yeah it just think this film in particular and i mean the sequel did really well too i enjoyed the sequel um i just feel like they gave something to you didn't even have to be they gave something to everybody Mm -hmm. that uh, they probably haven't felt in a while when like when you're watching this film you just get happy yeah like i mean that's the type of thing it is so that's why it has to be on both of our lists exactly and i think what james gunn does so well and why his stuff works as good as it does is because he is genuinely a fan of these things yeah of all the marvel stuff he does of the dc stuff he does of scooby-doo he's a genuine fan of these characters and he and he caters to them as he brings them to life and i think that's why it works so well good choice for number one my number one is going to jump back to to our industry news segment when we were talking about Paramount what are you doing trying to build universes you've got a fucking universe and we want to see more of it you're killing it on the TV side but we want it to make its way back into the film side I'm of course talking about Star Trek now um, the whole Star Trek franchise on the film side, guys, it was spawned off of a TV show, okay? But Star Trek, the original series, not only spawned a, a ton of films, but it also spawned a ton of spinoff series that also spawned a ton of films all massively successful. Whether you're talking about Star Trek, the original series and their series of six films, or whether you're talking about Star Trek, the next generation and their series of four or five films, they've all been massively successful. And then of course they, they spin it all back around now with an alternate timeline of those same characters. Um, every single one of them has been brilliant. And Again, I go back to it's one of the rare franchises that each film has done better than the last. They're like they 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 continue to do better at the box office than the one previous. My in my opinion, my favorite still out of all of them, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. It by far the single best out of all of them, next generation or original series. Um, I liked Voyage Home too. A lot of people knocked it because it was more comedic than anything. But, I mean, come on. They were back in fucking San Francisco in the 80s and shit. It was fucking hysterical. Well, double dumbass to you when they don't know how to curse and they're, like, trying to use curse words all wrong. And fucking whales save the universe. It's fucking epic. It was funny as shit. But I loved every second of it. Um, Brilliant franchise. It's a brilliant franchise. Star Trek knows how to, you know, 
entertain people all over the world. There's so many fans. And I think Paramount has seen that. They're Like I said, they're kicking ass on the TV side of it. They need to get these guys back into the movie. It's been too long without a Star Trek movie. They need to get back there. So my number one, the Star Trek franchise. Yeah, they don't want to become DC where they're no, killing it on the TV I, I mean, side and yeah. not doing anything on the movie on, side. It's shit, fucking bring the, the movie side. I'd love to see a movie based on Discovery. Yeah, It's fucking exactly. epic, man. I mean, come on. Come on. Well, now I'd never do the box office recap, man. Oh, man, like we told you in the industry news segment. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Duh. 181 million, number one. Black Adam, at number two, with 8.1 million. Yeah, superhero fatigue, where? 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 Uh, number three, <laughs> Ticket to Paradise, with 5.9 million. Number four, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, with 3.2 million. Number five is Smile, with 2.3 million. Mm. New movies coming out this week are really The Menu and She Said. Yeah. Those are the two big ones coming out. Um, did you listen to that podcast that I sent you this morning? I did. Oh, man. When they're talking about that, they don't think either The Menu or She Said won't break 10 million. I don't necessarily, or no, they said 5 million, yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think She Said will come come around 10 million and i mean i feel like the menu will do around the same um but i did see the menu was expected to do better but she said outpaces she said looks like it's going to beat the menu for the weekend it's gonna be so interesting too because they brought up some very interesting points because the menu is supposed to be like this comedic horror comedic thriller type of thing Mm -hmm. but then they on the podcast we listened to um they talked about she said and they're trying they were like who who's this movie for who is this audience like what what's their target audience and i think one journalistic people and females women who have been abused and see like someone who actually gets exposed and get repercussions for their actions that's their audience i mean just to see that actually happen so i honestly wouldn't be surprised if after this movie comes out and after there's so much feedback from it that we get more people and more females coming out because they feel encouraged by this movie yeah to be honest so i think that's where their audience is uh i forget what his matt um (laughs) but yeah i mean i'm excited for both of these movies and to be honest i think this is the first time since the pandemic that we've had a single weekend where there's two new movies coming out that are worth seeing yeah. because normally since the pandemic, there's only one big movie coming out every week. But now I think these two are definitely worth seeing. Yeah. So. I feel like that's completely accurate. And this one you can still see it's been out for a little bit. I am hearing no bad things about this. Everybody that I come in contact with is trying to get me to go see this movie. So I think I'm going to have to see this movie. I'm talking about the Banshees of Inisherin. Um, it's I'm hearing it. It's like a war pick, I guess, around a town in Ireland or something like that. I don't know the whole premise, and I'm sorry about that. But um, everybody has said they fucking love this film, mm. so I'm gonna have to go check it out. Yeah, I mean, right. Goodness gracious. Well, movies you can still go see. Pray for the devil. Still want to see that one. Yeah. Um, the Banshees of Irishin, like you just said. One Piece film, which I guess is really a cult phenomena with the anime lovers. Sure. Uh, Till and Tar. Now I hear Tar is in. And the uh, talks for Oscar buzz. So oh. be sure to check that and one out. Till. Too. Gotta see Till still yeah, also I mean, too. A lot of good stuff out, guys. IMDb Pro's top trending segment, of course, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, The Crown, and Millie Bobby Brown. I'm sure Millie Bobby Brown because of everybody, her wanting to 
play Britney Spears and Britney Spears being like, I, for I'm, sure, I'm not dead. Be like, bitch, you don't have to be dead. <laughs> like to have a biopic about it, you don't have to yeah, be dead. No, no. It's oh, just, goodness gracious. So freaking funny. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for getting crazy with us on episode uh, 212 of yes. Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We got to thank our guest, W. Trey Davis, one more time for coming on the show and getting a little crazy. Be sure to follow him at W. Trey Davis on Instagram. Be sure to follow the company and uh, podcast on social media my set art it calf podcast and crazy ant media <laughs> man crazy ant media yes. i need more coffee no for sure um be sure to follow both personally on social media myself jayla fantastic and crazy ant guy 1970 yes and be sure to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast anchor apple podcast spotify google play music our Heart radio podbean stitcher and so much more and you can visit our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear we got a lot of stuff coming for the new year guys yes. and a lot of uh, exciting projects that we're looking forward to working on some that of course you know are behind the scenes filmmaking stuff but also more podcasting stuff as yeah well. so a lot of different things that's going to be completely different than what we're doing right now well kind of different i should say uh but man oh man this was a great episode i think honestly my favorite story out of the industry news besides wakanda forever obviously being epic because it is an epic film um is the apple tv the origin of hawaii and after the fact of trying to see other places and stuff like that i think that's going to be a very interesting concept and a lot of people will like it hopefully anyway yeah i mean for sure and uh yeah i you know I'm along those lines too. Yellowstone, I think, is really, you know, resonating with the people and and such a huge hit because it is the telling of a man trying to protect the land and, yeah. and, and what it was and how he feels like government is over kind of stepped and taken over and taken away from the, from the native Americans. And, and I think it just resonates really well with people about, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And, and, you know, um, I don't know. That was, a, that was definitely one of my favorite parts. And of course I know, I know you're not, but I'm excited about Indiana Jones five. I think that was really fun to talk about. And obviously all the comic book stuff, I'm a total geek. So, you know, that. No, for sure. And Hercules was one of my favorite animated Disney films. So Percy Jackson's got me really interested for sure. all this shit. So like I said, I never really jumped on the film bandwagon, but I'm super excited about it. Yeah. And I just want to say uh, I'm glad Michigan won. Woo! That, that was, was a squeaker, y'all. Like, but we close. got it. We're still on track for the undefeated showdown against Ohio State, yeah. the only one that matters. Our, ours is kind of a squeaker right now, too. Yeah. We're playing Boston <laughs> College, and uh, it's 44 to nothing. Yeah. So Not a squeaker. No. Not not 1916 or no, like no no not at all and it looks like it's snowing so it's freaking crazy yeah uh, but man oh man it's been an amazing episode <laughs> everybody have a great rest of your weekend have a great thanksgiving there will be a show next saturday I believe, possibly, will at least be an interview, but uh, we'll see how we're feeling. But we're super excited to be back. We feel great. We feel better than ever. And uh, everybody just have a great week and uh, think about everybody you're thankful for. Yeah, for sure. You know who I'm thankful for each and every day. The one and only Oprah! Oprah!